Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Glad to see you all here this day. And we are excited to come together and worship our God. I know I think it's the best day of the year. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you would grab your bulletins, if you're a guest, there's a tear-off portion uh, on the side here. Just tear that off. Fill out that blue section, put in the offering plate when it goes by, and we'd love to follow up with you about all that is going on here at Mechanicsville Baptist. On the other side, uh, the yellow side, has a place for prayer requests at the bottom. I encourage you to write a prayer request. Put it in the offering plate as well as we pray for you in our staff time on Tuesdays. On the back are opportunities for the week. I wanted to make mention that tonight there are no other activities, so enjoy the rest of the day with families and loved ones. Uh, this week, the church offices are closed tomorrow, and uh, they will reopen on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, we do have our full lineup of activities. We have Bible study at 11, Connect Group Sawana, Youth at 6, Bible study at 6.15, Choir Rehearsal at 7.30. Thursday's the Fellowship Breakfast. This is each month at Cold Harbor Restaurant. Everyone's invited at 7.30 a.m. to join. And then our Dominican team uh, has our mission training this Saturday and this Sunday. So pray for them as they continue to prepare for our mission trip in July. Uh, anyway, it's good to see everyone here this day. And we are going to stand together, if you will, and you'll grab your bulletins. And we're going to do a responsive reading. The responsive reading is listed on the left side of your bulletin on the inside over here, if you'd stand together. And I would encourage us as a church to be as loud and strong as possible as we read this together. I will do the, the L's, you will do the P's, and you'll say it in unison. I'll begin. Out of darkness of grief and despair comes a message of hope. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. We run to the tomb to see for ourselves. We hear a voice call our name, and we know our risen Lord is, now, is with us now and always. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. And let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do come to you this day um, celebrating your resurrection, Lord Jesus. God, we cannot offer enough gratitude and praise and honor and glory back to you for what you have done and for who you are. So God, this day may we as one, as your church, uh, gather together and uh, celebrate all that you have done. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit being here with us, amongst us, and we just pray that every single part of this service brings you glory, brings you honor, and brings you praise. Thank you for your resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Let us stand and sing hymn number 270, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Please join us.
be seated.
Let us stand and sing number 304, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Please join us. day God gave us today, right? Let us pray. Dear Father, we gather together here today in this church with millions of other people to celebrate our Jesus' return from the dead. But when he came back from the dead and resumed life, he met with his disciples and some out into the world to continue spreading his message of love and redemption. We thank you for the gift of Jesus, and as we give our gifts and tithes today, let us remember that there are still millions and millions of people who need to hear the message. So we are to send out our disciples to carry on his love. We offer this prayer with love and gratitude to you. Amen. 
before the pastoral prayer, I have an announcement for you. Uh, it's a, um, I guess it's a commercial. Uh, I did it in my sermon last time, and I don't know how the spirit will move this time, so I'm going to tell you. Um, we are far short of our North American mission goal, and we talked a little bit about it on Wednesday night. And uh, I, perhaps many people don't understand that those, those funds are go, go to uh, help uh, start churches in the United States and in other places in North America, Canada, and so forth. In our study that I led a couple of weeks ago, there was a couple uh, that uh, we talked about in that particular study. The, uh, they grew up in Las Vegas. They went their separate ways. And uh, the man uh, wanted to play basketball. And so he got a scholarship from Las Vegas, where he was, to James Madison University in Harrisonburg. So he came there to um, study. And while he was there, he uh, got involved with a group of, uh, called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Many of you are aware of them. And they led him to Christ. And uh, he still thought that basketball was his dream. So he went to Israel and played in the league in Israel after he uh, graduated. But the Lord wouldn't let him go and called him back to Las Vegas where he reunited with his uh, 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 soon-to-be wife. And uh, they are on mission starting a church in Las Vegas. But here's the, the sad part about Las Vegas. 92% of the residents of Las Vegas are unchurched are unsaved, 92%. And so uh, he understood that because uh, he grew up there and he knew the great need. So I tell you that to remind you that even though it's difficult sometimes to put a face to the offering, uh, the monies that we give go to places like Las Vegas to help people start churches and do things that we are unable to do because we don't understand the culture in Las Vegas. What we understand about Las Vegas is the strip. You all know what we understand uh, about Las Vegas. And so uh, there's a whole lot more to that. There are 2 million people living in Las Vegas, and 92% of them are unchurched. So pray about your gifts to the uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering. There's probably envelopes in the pews in front of you. If not, there's some back there. If you have offering envelopes... Uh, that you get from the church, there is an offering envelope in your uh, offering envelopes for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. What better time to promote that on a day that I'm going to preach a sermon on He is Risen and we are to go and tell. So there's my advertisement that I won't have to make in my sermon now, okay? Let's bow for prayer. Gracious and eternal God, we are thankful that we have a living Lord. We have one who gave his all so that we could have life. We're thankful, Father, that we have the ability and the resources to go and tell. And if we can't go and tell, Father, we know there are others who can go as we support them. And we give thanks for them for our missionaries in North America and our missionaries around the world. We're grateful, Father, that as we minister in the name of Jesus Christ, that lives can be touched and transformed 
and that hope can be renewed. We're grateful, Father, for this opportunity to worship on this special day. A day that's set aside each year to remember the empty tomb. And to know, Father, that the empty tomb is not the end but the beginning of our walk with you into eternity. We're grateful, Father, for each person here today and for the families that they represent. We're thankful, Father, that we can celebrate your love for us with our loved ones. We pray, Father, that you will speak to us a word of wisdom and encouragement. And yes, Lord, even a a word of conviction as we seek to come before you. For those who are not with us today, Father, because of surgeries and illnesses and uh, other issues in their lives, we pray for them. And know, Father, that as we do, you can work and minister to them in ways that we could never think of. We're thankful, Father, that we can listen to you. And we can find familiarity in your word and in this day. For this is the reason, Father, we celebrate. We're grateful, Father, that you have given us the power to overcome sin through Jesus Christ. Bless us, Father, as we continue in this service together, as we give thanks for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.
As we continue our time together celebrating the resurrection, we turn to John chapter 20, and we'll read verses 1 through 18, one of the familiar stories of resurrection. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. And I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbani, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And that he had spoken these things. To her. Each of us can recall moments when the sound of a familiar voice was an especially meaningful experience. It might have been a call from someone special, the voice of an old friend in a crowd of strangers, a recording of a son or daughter away from home, or Snapchat, or Twitter feed, or all of those things that we do now to keep up with one another or words of assurance following surgery. The sound of a familiar voice is powerful medicine. I doubt if any of us have experienced the feeling Mary Magdalene had when she heard the familiar voice of Jesus in the garden of his burial. This was not their first encounter. Jesus had spoken important words to her in the past. He still speaks and waits for us to hear and respond. The events of the past week were a blur probably for Mary Magdalene. Only a week ago, she and dozens of Jesus' followers celebrated his entry into Jerusalem with an impromptu parade. 
Mary Magdalene remembered how the shopkeepers and pilgrims in Jerusalem for the Passover celebration had stopped to look, then joined in the procession that had moved joyously down the crowded Jerusalem streets. The days that followed were a confusing mixture of preparation for the Passover and watching Jesus do things he had never done before. Like giving strange answers to the chief priests and the Pharisees who challenged Jesus as he taught in the temple. Watching Jesus create a small riot as he chased the temple money changers out of the court of the Gentiles, creating quite a scene. Then, of course, Mary Magdalene had heard about that Thursday evening. She wasn't there, but she had heard the story repeated over and over. A meal around the table with Jesus and those closest to him. Jesus saying things about the meal he had never said before. Like this bread is my body broken for you and this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Only later would she understand. Later, after Jesus had been arrested and word had come from breathless men, excited and shaking with fear, men who had vowed to fight the Roman legions, men who had promised to stay with Jesus no matter what happened, the same men who had run away when the chief priest had Jesus arrested. But after the crucifixion, the women began to talk about what must be done. Isn't that the way we all are when death is at our door? We have to do something. We have to send flowers. We have to make food. We have to call. We have to plan. We have to do something. These women needed to do something. Jesus' body had only had a hasty entombment without proper ceremonial care. The women were determined to be there when the first beams of sunlight broke the darkness, ending the Sabbath. Jesus would wait no longer than absolutely necessary for a loving and proper preparation. But arriving at the tomb, the scene was amazing. The stone was rolled away, the grave clothes were in place, but there was no body. The women hurried, running at times, back to the disciples, back to the room where the men huddled. The women were right there. To see these men and tell them there was no body. The two men ran back to tell the others. But Mary Magdalene stayed behind weeping again. When the gardener opened his mouth and said Mary. Mary knew that voice. That gentle voice. That voice had greeted her many times. That voice had commanded demons to leave her and never return. That voice had blessed broken bread in their homes. That voice had calmed the swirling seas. That voice belonged to Jesus. And Jesus spoke to Mary Magdalene with the familiar voice of a friend. Jesus spoke to Mary Magdalene. Earlier in her life, a word of conversion. Mary first heard the Lord speak the word of conversion to her as recorded in Luke. Because Luke records that seven demons had come out of Mary Magdalene. This woman, possessed by evil, had lived a life of torment and suffering. Tradition says she was a prostitute. That label may have been fixed itself on her because of the extremely wicked town in which she lived. The people knew Mary. 
They had seen how the devil had used her and captivated her body and made her a public shame. In Mary's life, the good news of the kingdom, though, had become a reality. The power of God's reign operating through Jesus had liberated her from her bondage to evil spirits and infirmities. I wonder what happened at that first meeting between Mary and Jesus, the divine Son of God, face to face with a demon-possessed woman. Did she cry out in scorn at Jesus as others had? Did she cower in fear in a dark corner, afraid of His power? The circumstances do not matter. What is significant is that this woman so desperately in need of transformation met the master and heard the words of conversion, be whole. And she was. Is your life like Mary's in need of change? Does some kind of evil spirit possess you? The spirit of selfishness, fear, hate? An anonymous poet expresses our longings. Oh, I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again where all our sins and mistakes could be laid aside like a shabby old coat and never be put on again. There is such a place. The place where you meet Jesus. He can change your life just as He changed the life of Mary Magdalene. You see, we all have to wrestle with the reality of resurrection. It's a faith matter. It's not a fact matter in the sense that you have to decide whether or not you believe. And Mary was confronted with the same choice. I've told this story before, but when Josh was in college, he was taking a course, uh, a secular course in the New Testament. And in those courses, certainly they question the realities of scripture and one of the questions that they began to debate was the resurrection and the irony of the whole situation was I was in a Baptist meeting at the Baptist General Association of Virginia uh, board when these texts started coming in from Josh and he was asking me about the resurrection and how we knew and all these things and finally in one of the texts I said to him Josh It's a matter of faith. You either believe it or you don't. I didn't hear anything for about 30 minutes. And then this text came through. You're right. I got so caught up in the why or the how, I forgot the why. You see, that can happen to us. We can get caught up in the how of things and forget the why. The power of the resurrection is significant for Mary. It is significant that Mary was the first person to see the risen Lord. She had one of the more dramatic conversion experiences. God is telling us something here about resurrection and conversion. Without Christ's resurrection, there can be no conversion. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early on Sunday morning while it was still dark. 
She and the other women may not have known that his body had been anointed and so came to bestow their final affections on his lifeless body. Imagine Mary's consternation when she saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Grave robbery was particularly common in Palestine where the tombs were above ground. In this case, such a ghoulish crime could be doubly expected since Jesus had been buried in a borrowed grave of a wealthy donor. Apparently, Mary feared that someone, whether thoughtless vandals or enemies who engineered his death, had taken the body itself out of the tomb and laid it in an unknown place. Instinctively, she sought out the leaders of the disciples and reported this further indignity perpetuated against their murdered master. Nothing in Mary's report, hear this, nothing in Mary's report at this initial stage contained a ray of hope. She was convinced that Jesus was dead and someone had stolen his body. The fact that the tomb was empty seemed proof of further tragedy rather than final triumph to her at this stage. Paul wrote to the Philippians of his desire to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. The resurrection power is what changes people. A dead Christ can change no one. Paul told the Corinthians, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. In the midst of a storm, a little bird was clinging to the limb of a tree, seemingly calm and unafraid. As the wind tore at the limbs of the tree, the bird continued to look the storm in the face as if to say, shake me off, I still have wings. Because of Christ's resurrection, each Christian can look the experience of death in the face and confidently say, shake me off, I still have wings, I'll live anyway. The power of sin nailed Jesus to the cross. The power of God raised him. That same power continues to work. And if you will repent of sin and trust Jesus, his power will change you even today. But then there was the word of appreciation. After her conversion, Mary Magdalene assumed a place of service in the disciple band. She and several others traveled with Jesus and the disciples and were helping to support them out of their own means, the scripture says in Luke chapter 8 verse 3. We are not told the exact nature of Mary's ministry. Perhaps she washed clothes, helped prepare food, and provided funds for needs in the group. Her ministry, though, was a result of the love she had received from Christ. And my gut feeling is she also was a witness. Conversion should result in committed service For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works Which God prepared in advance for us to do Paul sounds the call for good works Not as a ground for claiming God's favor But as the necessary consequence of our new life in Christ As his new creation. There also was an appreciation for service. Thank you, Mary. She frequently heard the word of appreciation for service. And if the Lord said it to Mary, he will say it to us. If the Lord noticed the widow's small copper coin and offered praise for her faithfulness, he notices what we do. He appreciates our ministry, whether great or small. The Lord remembers. He appreciates every labor in eternity. They will hear the word of appreciation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. But it begins with the message of hope at sunrise. Verse 
this morning, I timed it just so that I would take the dogs out as the sun was rising. I did it on purpose. Thankfully, my 17-year-old dog allowed it to happen. She's the boss. We went outside, and as I was walking toward the sunrise, I thought to myself, you know... That's the kind of faith I need to have in Jesus. I had faith to know that when I walked out this door this morning and looked to the east, the sun would be rising. And it was. And it made me think of God's faithfulness. But then he went a step further with Mary in this particular passage. He gave her a word of commission. He told her to go and tell. The third word Jesus spoke to Mary was the word of commission. When Jesus spoke her name, Mary realized who he was and embraced him in adoration. But Jesus said, do not hold on to me. It was not time for worship. The resurrection is not a doctrine to hold on to selfishly, but an experience to share selflessly. We are not to hold on to it, but give it away. Mary Magdalene obviously understood because she went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. Recognizing Jesus, Mary fell before him in awe and began to cling to him, probably by grasping his feet. In so doing, she made the second mistake of her encounter. At first she had misunderstood his identity, but now she failed to grasp his divinity. Because of her overriding concern to locate the body of Jesus, she had not realized that his exaltation would involve a transcending of all earthly imitations. Jesus gently corrected this error by giving her something better to do. Do not continue to hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Let go of me as a limited physical presence so that you may soon receive me back as a universal spiritual presence. Go tell my brethren, do not clutch me selfishly, but share the reality of my resurrection with others. A newspaper had this interesting editorial about Easter. Easter is usually a quiet occasion. Millions of Americans make a special effort to go to church on Easter Sunday. Easter is a wholesome kind of holiday. It gives all of us an opportunity to recuperate in a small measure from the harassments of daily life. But that is not what the Lord intended. The resurrection is the impetus to enter the harassments of life and change the world. It is ironic that the big event at Easter now is inside the church. We prepare pretty eggs, buy flowers, dress up and go to church. Jesus said the big event should be outside the church. Go and tell, don't cling to me. People need to hear. What an astonishing message Mary Magdalene had to report to the disciples. Not only... Had she seen the Lord, but she had been given an inkling of what the resurrection meant both to Jesus and to his followers. Every disciple telling. Mary's commission illustrates the Lord's desire to use every disciple to share the resurrection news. The Lord's appearance to Mary, a woman with a scandalous past, sent a shockwave throughout the disciple band. The eleven disciples probably thought that Jesus should have appeared to them first. But isn't that just like Jesus? 
to use the person that others considered unlikely. The ingredient that makes the difference is love. He will use any of us to tell the good news. George W. Truett, longtime pastor of First Baptist Dallas many years ago, was involved in a serious accident where he hit and killed a child. He vowed to never go back into the pulpit again. He was too hurt. It was too overwhelming for him. But eventually he did. Herschel Hobbs tells the story. And Herschel Hobbs said that after that accident, when George W. Truett returned to the pulpit, there was a difference in his voice. There was a note of pathos, if you will, of suffering in his voice. Because something terrible had happened. But out of that experience, he ministered for many more years and led many people to Christ because he found out that in suffering there can be hope. If I were to ask you to describe Easter with use, without using any words, you could only use punctuation marks. Which punctuation mark would you choose to describe Easter for yourself? Maybe this Easter is a comma for you. It makes you stop, pause, think, and listen, but that's about it. Perhaps today is a downer, a big bold period. You thought you'd feel excited, but instead it seems to be more like empty ritual. You feel like you're not on the inside, but on the outside, an onlooker. It was a day when life felt like a period for Jesus' disciples. He was dead. He was buried. An end to expectations. But wait. News of an empty tomb. The period is no longer a period. It became a question mark. That's worse than a period. Now they're beginning to doubt. Where is he? They're perplexed. The guards are gone. The stone is rolled away. He is not there. And if not there, then where? An angel speaks. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful people, and how he must be crucified, and the third day he must rise again? Of course they remembered. The period was gone. The question marks are removed. And there's one... Massive exclamation point. That's what Easter is all about. An exclamation of gratitude and of praise for the resurrection of Jesus Christ and for the salvation His victory over death brought to us. And you know what? Jesus still speaks. His voice can be heard today. Are you listening? He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Have you heard Jesus knocking? Are you willing to let him in?
Shall we pray? Gracious and loving Lord, we are so thankful for this day and for what it means. We're thankful for the power of the resurrection and the hope that rests in knowing that your grace is sufficient to cover our sins because you have paid it all. And so, Father, I pray that if there be any here this morning who has never received the message of salvation through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, that they will do so. We give you praise and glory on this special day. The day we celebrate in a special way that our Lord and Savior is risen. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. Our invitation to Faith and Fellowship hymn is a familiar hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. If it were not for God's grace, we would not be able to celebrate today. Thank Him. Thank Him for your life and for your families. Because through Him, we find hope. Will you stand as we sing?
thank you for being here today, and I appreciate um, the phone threw me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Jesus calling. I, I don't know. Um, that's okay. Um, thank you for being a part of the service. Thank you, Paul, for uh, leading us in music today in both services. We had 203 in the first service this morning, so we were appreciative of that uh, group of people. Thank you, family, for coming with family today. It's always a joy. My family's coming for dinner tonight. I was cooking green beans and ham yesterday. Janet cooks too, but I cook on the side a little bit, particularly she gives me orders to do so. Um, but uh, again, enjoy this day with family and friends. And you know the uh, old um, uh, saying that they did in the early church, when I say he is risen, you say he is risen indeed. I've asked John Hare to lead us in our benediction. He's going to go to the pulpit, Mike uh, Jordan. And um, so when I say he is risen, you respond to me, he is risen indeed. And then John will lead us in our benediction. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for the Lord Jesus and the fact that he still changes lives we're thankful today that he did not stay on the cross, but he arose, and he's alive today, and he's alive in the lives of all of us who have confessed that Jesus is Lord and he is Savior. And God, as Tim challenged us with today, may we leave this place this Easter and go to such a lost world that is in desperate, desperate need of the gospel. They're desperate to hear the fact that Jesus Christ the Son of God, stood in their place on the cross, became their substitute, died the death they deserved, and raised to life so that they may have life. And God, may we be changed by your resurrection power and go from this place and share your gospel with the world. Thank you for Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our risen Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. <laughs>